the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. This podcast is brought to you by Dr. Kirk Elliott, PhD. In an uncertain economy, if you're looking for wealth management solutions and financial advice, go to KirkElliottPhD.com and make an appointment today. Uh, Coming up, Debbie and I will do our weekly roundup covering the left's meltdown over Trump's enduring strength in the polls and the Argentine phenomenon Javier Millet. I'll also continue my discussion of the blue coats, the so-called blue coats who run the prison camps of the Gulag. Hey, if you're watching on Rumble or listening on Apple, Google, or Spotify, please subscribe to my channel. This is the Dinesh D'Souza Show. America needs this voice. The times are crazy. In a time of confusion, division, and lies, we need a brave voice of reason, understanding, and truth. This is the Dinesh D'Souza Podcast. The impeachment inquiry of Joe Biden has been proceeding, well, a little too slowly for my taste, but I suppose we should be uh, grateful that it's proceeding at all. And uh, the latest development is a somewhat heartening one, namely that Representative Comer and others have now issued subpoenas directly to members of the Biden family. So this is a this is a kind of threshold because, you know, it's one thing to let's bring in Devin Archer. Let's bring in some of the business associates And this new subpoena does involve a business associate, Rob Walker, who is um, a part of the financial network of the Bidens. But it also includes Hunter Biden and James Biden, two key figures here, because these are two of the key bagmen. Again, they don't run the racket. The racket is Joe Biden's racket. But Joe Biden makes them go collect the cash. And then the cash is funneled around through various LLCs. It ends up in the hands of one Biden family member or another. And then essentially Joe Biden gets his cut. He gets his 10% for the for the big guy. In addition to calling in uh, Hunter Biden and James Biden, the House has also demanded transcribed interviews with James Biden's wife, uh, that's Sarah Biden, uh, Biden's daughter-in-law, her name is Hallie Biden. Um, the um, Well, she's the widow of President Biden's son, Beau, and then she was later romantically involved with Hunter. Hallie Biden's older sister, Elizabeth Secundi, and Hunter Biden's wife, Melissa Cohen. Now, why are these people being called in? Well, they're being called in because there is a They're all part of the money trail. The media hasn't been reporting a lot of this, but the truth is money has been going not just into Hunter Biden's account. It'd be one thing if he was the single funnel. But no, money goes to Frank Biden. It goes to James Biden. It goes to their wives. It goes to the 
in-laws. It goes to the daughters. So this is a a family business of crime. It's a crime business being run by the Biden family. It's essentially a criminal operation conducted at the extended family level. And the reason that the extended family is involved is not because the family is really close, like, oh, we do everything together, like a family business of running a grocery store. No, it's because that's the way to camouflage the payments. The payments go not to Joe Biden, typically. They go to others, and then they funnel their way to Joe Biden. Now, frankly, uh, for a bribery scheme to work, and this is a point that Peter Schweitzer made on the podcast uh, just a couple of days ago, he goes, you don't have to prove that the money went to Joe Biden. It's kind of like if I'm running a corrupt a bribery operation and all the money is going to like Debbie or to Danielle, you know, so what? That's a benefit to me. So it doesn't actually matter if I get the cash myself. You don't have to prove that. So a lot of times what the left is saying in defense of Joe Biden is just a talking point. Well, you haven't shown that Joe Biden himself got the money. Well, we actually have shown that. But but until recently, there where there were checks with Joe Biden's name on it, the left was like taking a refuge in the you haven't shown direct payments to Joe Biden. Well, they don't have to be direct payments to Joe Biden to constitute a bribe. Now, question becomes, can these subpoenas be avoided? Can the Biden family members go, you know what, you want us to testify, but we're not going to? Well, they can uh, be avoided um, temporarily, but according to Jonathan Turley, political scientist and expert on these kinds of matters, he goes, they can't actually be avoided at all. Because in the end, he says, first of all, I'm now quoting him, the House has an obvious and legitimate interest in these interviews. It would likely prevail in any challenge in court. Moreover, he says, refusal to appear could force the hand of A.G. Garland, who has aggressively pursued Trump associates for contempt. So when Trump associates got subpoenas, I remember Bannon got a subpoena. Bannon didn't accept the subpoena. He didn't show up and they prosecuted him. So the point being, okay, if you're going to prosecute people who are getting a House subpoena and don't show up, now the question is, why isn't Biden prosecuting the Biden family for not showing up if they're given a subpoena? So it's going to be really interesting. They're not going to want to show up because the the money trail is already established. And I think what they're going to be asking these guys is simply this. You wrote a check to Joe Biden, and in the memo, you said loan repayment. Where's the loan? When did Joe Biden give you this original $200,000 that you were supposedly paying back? Produce the evidence of it. Uh, did you sign an IOU in which, for example, he gave you the money, you agreed to pay it back either for no interest or a small amount of interest? Where's that document? And if there's no such document, and if there's no money trail, then there wasn't an original loan. And if there wasn't an original loan, then there's no repayment of the non-loan. And the money was obviously being given to Joe Biden for some other reason. Well, what other reason? Except this is bribery money. We've been collecting it as a family. But obviously, you want your share. And here it is. And we're disguising that by by writing a misleadingly loan payment. So if the check ever surfaces, we can pretend it was the repayment of a loan. But there was no such loan. So all of this is now going center stage. And and I am glad that they are pursuing it with a kind of dogged determination. It may be a little too slow for my taste, but I am impressed with the clarity and thoroughness with which they're moving forward. 
I had Dr. Kirk Elliott on my podcast, um, gosh, about a week ago. I hope that you enjoyed his insights into the global as well as the U.S. economy. During times of economic uncertainty and upheaval, it's crucial to have a reliable source of financial guidance and insight. That's where Dr. Kirk Elliott, Ph.D., and his esteemed wealth management advisory firm come into play. Dr. Elliott has distinguished himself with two PhDs in economics and theology. He's built a reputation in expert financial solutions tailored to your unique needs. His firm specializes in wealth management, offering a comprehensive array of services to protect and grow your assets in an ever-changing world. In an environment that's economically volatile, shifting political landscape, Finding a trusted partner during these times is essential. Dr. Elliott's firm employs cutting-edge strategies and an understanding of the markets to guide you toward financial success. So go to KirkElliottPhD.com. That's Elliott with two L's and two T's. KirkElliottPhD.com slash Dinesh. Book an appointment. They'll walk you through their process about investing. That's KirkElliottPhD.com slash Dinesh, or you can call or text. Here's the number, 720-605-3900. Again, it's 720-605-3900. I want to talk about a very interesting article in a quite obscure site called Honest Reporting. So Honest Reporting is a site that covers, does investigative journalism, but with a focus on the Middle East. And um, Honest Reporting, the the journalists for Honest Reporting, were reviewing the footage of the Hamas attacks on Israel. And they noticed something very interesting, which is that there were apparently reporters for AP for CNN, for the New York Times, and for Reuters, embedded with Hamas. So what does that mean? Well, what it means is that when Hamas was carrying out these attacks, these journalists went along with them. They accompanied the terrorists. And the reason you know that is they got footage that you could only have gotten by being there. They got footage from the attacks themselves, which means that they were tipped off to the attacks. They were, in a sense, part of the attacks because they were going with the Hamas fighters. They didn't tell anybody that Hamas was about to launch an attack. They certainly didn't notify the police. They certainly didn't notify Israel. They were there to, quote, cover the attacks, but they must have known about the attacks either in advance or at the time that the attacks were occurring, because they were there. They were part of the invading force. And then, of course, there appears all this footage. And uh, so here you have something very interesting, which is to say you've got Western journalists, by the way, most of them themselves Muslim, but, but working for AP, working for CNN, working for New York Times, And what this site called Honest Reporting does is they look at the bylines. They look and see who are the photographers, who are the videographers, who are the writers, and they name them. So, for example, on for AP, uh, they give photo credits to Hassan Elaya, Youssef Masood, Ali Mahmoud, and Hatem Ali. These four guys were on the scene. Now, here's the question. Are they part of Hamas? Probably not. 
But are they close to Hamas? Are they in with Hamas? Did Hamas go, hey, guys, listen, we're going to launch these attacks. You come with us. You're going to get some amazing footage. We want you then to put it out. And these guys are like, yeah, great. This is fantastic. So so here you have basically journalists who seem to be part of the enemy camp, or at least who are willing to do business with the enemy. Now, their motives may be journalistic. We want to show vivid footage and so on. But think about it. You are notified. Think of a journalist, for example. Let's just change the scenario slightly and say there are American journalists who know about 9-11. The 9-11 attacks are going to be made. And there are Al-Qaeda guys who say to AP and to CNN, you know what? You can actually um, be at the airport when our guys go through. You can photograph them going through. Now, of course, the authorities won't know, but you'll know. And that footage will, footage will be invaluable to you later because nobody else will have it. And then we're going to tell you what the targets are. So you can have your journalists on the scene. You can capture carnage like nobody else will because other people are going to show up later and see what's happening. You'll be there while it's happening. Now, think about this. Uh, are these journalists, is this journalistic integrity to be completely indifferent to what's happening? You have a terrorist attack. You have advanced knowledge of it. You have no responsibility to disclose it, to report it. To, and I, by reported, I don't just mean reported in your news article the next day or, or later, but to report it to the authorities so that the atta- attack can be blunted, can be thwarted, can be prevented. So evidently, we have these journalists who are, well, I, I think it's hard not to see them as anything other than Hamas sympathizers. They're Hamas sympathizers, and they're also opportunistic journalists who want to get the story regardless of whether or not people are getting killed in the meantime, and killed in partly through an operation that they are part of. They are part of the contingent that is launching the operation. Now, I saw just a few minutes ago in one of my updates that CNN has suspended its uh, relationship with one of these videographers. They claim that they don't know that he did anything wrong, but nevertheless, I'm assuming because of this article, and this article is making its rounds in, in social media, that um, that CNN has decided it's prudent not to be seen as a... CNN is kind of a wing of the um, anti-Israel movement, but this is maybe a little too blatant. In other words, having CNN journalists part of the attacking squad of Hamas, so they're like, we're going to pull back from this guy. Um, but, <clears throat> but this, to me, is a pretty unnerving and horrifying uh, example of news agencies that I know they're going to claim we're just doing our job, but doing your job is takes on a whole different coloration when you are contacted in advance on a planned attack by a terrorist organization that recruits you to be part of its, quote, journalistic team to record the carnage that they are about to inflict and then show it to, to the world which is part of the objective of the terrorists themselves. Recently, the G20 announced that it welcomed discussion of the effects of implementing central bank digital currencies in their countries. Now, these digital currencies could allow the government to track every purchase you make. They could allow officials to prohibit you from purchasing certain products or easily freeze or seize part or all of your money. In essence, they give the government control over your finances. Now, 
Concerned Americans are diversifying their assets into physical gold with the help of Birch Gold Group. If you want a physical asset held in a tax-sheltered retirement account, you should call Birch Gold. Debbie and I customers, we buy our gold through Birch Gold. But find out for yourself. Text Dinesh to 989898. They'll send you a free information kit on gold. No obligation, just information. Here's the easiest way to become a Birch Gold customer. If you have an IRA or a 401k from a previous employer, Birch Gold can help you convert it into an IRA in gold and you don't pay a penny out of pocket. Text Dinesh to 989898. Claim your free information kit on gold. Then call Birch Gold because if digital currency becomes a reality, it'll be nice to have some gold to fall back on. Debbie and I here for our Friday Roundup, and we thought we'd start talking about this issue of Trump's enduring strength in the polls. And the question I have is, is this a sign that the police state machinations are beginning to be recognized by the American people? Because for Trump to be winning in these swing states is a way of saying that there are independents who are sort of opening their eyes to the fact that something is amiss. And let's remember that our police state has a massive media fortification. All the stuff we talk about, I talk about in the podcast about the House Oversight Committee did this, they did that, they discovered this check going straight to Joe Biden. No coverage in the New York Times, no coverage in the Washington Post, no coverage on CBS. So there's a whole swath of Americans who don't even know this is even happening. Their their media is lying to them, lying here by omission. Just, we won't touch that. We won't cover it. And remember, this is the same media, by the way, that was willing to cover every rumor about Trump. You know, uh, Trump was being on some guy in a hotel room in Moscow. Complete fabrication, but nevertheless, wall-to-wall coverage. And now when you have Joe Biden's name on the check, and, you know, and then it's funny, I see all these these guys, you know, Aaron Rupar and all these kind of sycophants. They're like, it was a loan. Don't you see in the memo loan repayment? No media skepticism. Like, where's the original loan? Show us the original payment that Joe Biden made that's now being repaid. Where's the IOU? None of it. No. So what do you make no. of these? Talk about the poll yeah. and then your reaction yeah. to it. So, um, well, the uh, former Jill Biden uh, spokesperson he explodes on Biden's team because he blames it on the team. He said he basically goes on to on X. He goes, Trump has a higher favorable plus Biden has higher unfavorable. This is inexcusable for a man universally known for his character and integrity. (laughs) What? Universally known for his character and integrity. Now, does anyone remember what is Tara Rhodes? I mean, come on, man. <laughs> this man has no integrity. Well, but it really shows you that, that... What is he talking about? Well, you know, Biden's reputation was that this was a uh, kind of a longtime senator. He's a guy oh. who gets along with everybody. That's kind of why they wanted him on the ticket, to tap into that old yeah, yeah. image but that image has been so tarnished yeah. by facts. Well, not only that, but don't you remember even when he was running for Senate early on, all of these newscasters and stuff were saying, oh, he he lied about this. He lied about that. He lied. He plagiarized. He plagiarized. He plagiarized. Thought of the campaign. He plagiarized. And so, so you go back decades, 40 years, 
And, and it's lie after lie after lie after lie. How could this guy possibly say he has any integrity? I mean, look, in a, in a, in a sane country, Trump would be at 80% and Biden would be at 15. And you, then you'd even wonder who the 15 are. But yeah, the fact yeah. that they're running kind of neck and neck at one, one level is disturbing because it yeah. shows, it shows the way that the country's different than it was 20 years ago, 30 years yeah. ago. Uh, our job is more difficult. Yeah. It because is. the country is hanging far more in the balance. Yeah. But it, it is. at least encouraging that Trump is yeah, seems but to be pushing ahead. Is, uh, first of all, I don't believe in polls. Okay. Yeah, I just I, don't. Right. I think that everybody gets super excited. Oh, he's ahead in the polls. And then what happens? Oh, he lost by, you know, however. I don't believe in polls. But that being said, I do think that uh, if, if, if CNN is reporting this, they're up to something. Yeah. I, I don't trust them. I don't trust the media. And so if they are reporting that the the polls are not where they want them to be, uh, I think that some shenanigans are- I see what's going on. You're, you're basically saying don't con- look at the facts just for what they are, meaning the poll data. Mm-hmm. Look at it as, as, is it the case that CNN is part of a movement- to move Biden out because they're like, maybe, you know what? This guy's not doing it for us. Either that or they're galvanizing the Democrat voters to get out there and vote. You know what I mean? Because they they're do that. Stirring well. up they're the stirring pot. up the pot. Like, guys, this man can't possibly beat Biden. You know, how can you let this happen? Go out there and vote. You know, just all or, of- or maybe even to to provoke the left wing billionaires. Yeah. To cough up more I, money. I don't know. I don't know what's going on. I know a lot of people allude to the fact that they that they think that they're trying to to get Biden out or whatever. I don't think that's the case. Uh, first of all, I don't think Biden is the one running the country. No, he isn't. This okay. is why. This is why I think they don't need to get him out they because don't. he's not in. No. <laughs> Exactly. I, I don't think I don't think Biden runs his own life. Okay, let alone the country. But yeah, um, so they've got so the people running the country, and and you have to look at it. This is a we're supposed to be a democracy, but we're being run by kind of a junta, and Biden is their man. He's their front man, right? And and they like it that way. Think of it. If they That's, get somebody else, if they let's even say they get Newsom, Newsom's going to want to make decisions, right? They so can't. they don't want a real president. They've got us. They've got a a, a setup right now yeah. that works beautifully for them. Yeah. And they would like to keep it going for four years. Uh, Absolutely. Oh, and if not longer. If not longer. Debbie and I made a New Year's resolution to lose weight. And thankfully, PhD Weight Loss came to our rescue, not just in losing the weight, but keeping the weight off. Debbie's lost 24 pounds. I've lost 27. We've kept it off. We're both on maintenance. The program is based on science and nutrition, no injections, no pills, no long hours in the gym, no severe calorie restriction, just good, sound, scientifically proven nutrition. It's so simple, they make it easy by providing 80% of your food at no additional cost. They tell you when and what to eat, and guess what? You can do this without ever being hungry. The founder, Dr. Ashley Lucas, has her PhD in chronic disease and sports nutrition. She's also a registered dietitian. She helps people lose weight, and most important, maintain that weight. Weight loss for life. So if you're ready to take the step of losing weight like Debbie and I have, call PhD Weight Loss and Nutrition. Here's the number, 864-644-1900. You can also find them online at myphdweightloss.com. The number again to call, 864-644-1900.
Yeah, Bina, I want to talk about uh, actually one of our favorite characters, and this guy is a character. He's running for the presidency of Argentina, and he's in the final. There's a runoff, and uh, was it is it November nineteenth? I believe the, so. Yeah, that mm-hmm. there's the election. So his name is Javier Millet. 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 And why don't you introduce him? And I have a yeah. few thoughts about him. Yeah, well, well, first of all, I call him the Malaga. <laughs> you know, and, and I was just like, what's Malaga? Make Latin America great again. <laughs> <laughs> I see. Right? Perfect. So, so. He, and it's inappropriate because he, they, he has a, not only does he have a Trumpian flair, but there are certain aspects of his personality oh, that go even beyond, beyond Trump. Trump. He's comical. <laughs> he's co- he's flamboyant. He's comical. He is absolutely amazing. Yeah, I mean, this, this guy's guy, hilarious. Well, what what oh. to say a couple things about him? First of all, he's he's a smart guy. He's an economist. He's an economist. He's yep. apparently a kind of a populist libertarian. That's mm-hmm, the way they describe mm-hmm. him. Remember, we saw the social media video where they. He wants to get rid of the central bank. (laughs) So his supporters create a piñata, which is the central bank. Then they blindfold this guy and they give him a sort of a, like, kind of a, kind of a stick. And he goes insane and they they get nervous. They're like, no, 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 take it easy, take it easy. But he's like whacking this piñata. And the other time, the other thing I love is he was on a, he was being interviewed by a left wing reporter and she was very earnest and solemn. And she's like, why do you refer to the left as SHIT? And he goes, Because they are. Because they are SHIT. <laughs> <laughs> he, he goes off on the left like nobody does in South America. I mean, as right. you know, South America is a stronghold for communism and socialism. It has been. Yes. Marxism. Yep. Um, and he is like, he is going after the status quo. He's going against it. He is um, uh, basically saying, uh, I'm going to turn latin america great again i'm going to turn argentina great again because as you know it's been an economic disaster well argentina is like venezuela and yeah. the sense that argentina was a very rich country if you go to the turn of the 19th century the beginning of the 20th century argentina was one of the fastest growing countries in the world it's got tremendous natural resources it is was the world's storehouse of beef it was exporting yeah. beef all over exactly. the world. Yep. They were growing at 6 or 7% when other countries were growing at 2 or 3 And so it had a very bright future. But what they've done is really what Biden's been doing in the United States, massive overspending, getting into debt. Now they have 100% inflation. Yeah. Yeah. And 100% inflation basically means that prices double every year. Yeah. Think about that. Yeah. Buy a car. Yeah. Next year, it's it, the price doubles, and the next year, it doubles over that. Mm-hmm. So this is a you now an economy in Crazyville. Yeah, and I think Argentinians know there's a real problem. They do, but the but the the socialists are trying to stop him. Right? They're saying that he's a danger to democracy. I mean, he's a danger to doesn't that sound familiar? Yeah. Right? How are you a danger to democracy when you're trying, when to, you're trying win, to fix it? And you're, you're running to... as a populist to get the popular vote. To legitimately install you as the president, how are you yeah. a danger to democracy? I yeah. don't understand. Yeah. It doesn't make any so, sense. So, and and you know, he's he's someone also that is against the you know Chinese influence. He's against the Iranian influence down there. He's he's really going head to head with these Marxist, socialist, communists. Well, the reason he's being attacked in Europe, he's being attacked, is because he's an anti-globalist. Right, that He's true. against the yep. World Economic Forum. He's against the UN. He doesn't want to give up Argentinian sovereignty. Yeah. And so 
they're treating him as if he's a danger. He's not a danger to democracy. He's a danger to, to them. them. He's a danger to yeah, them. To their system of regimented control yeah, yeah. and subordination to international institutions. Yeah. No, he's he he's really he's really a good guy. But you know, I it I always because of because of the pessimists in me, I always think this is he's too good. He this is too good of a of a thing. You know yeah. what I mean? Well you thought that about Georgia Maloney in Italy yeah, and she I made did. it. Yeah, I did. I did. I was very surprised pleasantly, but you So know. the guy running against him is the uh is Sergio Massa, who is apparently the coalition candidate of the ruling party. Mm-hmm. He too is an economist, but a left wing economist. Mm-hmm. And um, the three, he there was a there was initially a a, a multi candidate uh, election. Uh, now, admittedly, sir, uh, our guy Millet only got thirty percent. The other guy got like thirty five percent. But there was a third man who was a conservative in yeah. the race. So if if we manage to get, or we, I say we, if they, if Argentina manages to get those votes, Millet get, gets those votes. He can possibly he should he can win. win. He can he win. He should win. I think that's why they're scared of him. Yeah, it's yeah. because in the runoff, he's going to be stronger, probably. Yeah. But as by the way, it was the case also in Brazil. In Brazil. You know, the uh, Bolsonaro was ex- he was far behind in the polls, but in the runoff, he came extremely close. Yeah, yeah. Uh, I hope this guy makes it. I mean, yeah. uh, certainly for Argentina's sake, for Latin America's sake. Yeah. No, uh, we 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 need Malaga. We need Malaga. <laughs> we need Malaga. Let's hope that Sergey uh, Javier Millet can deliver it. Absolutely. Mike Lindell keeps on introducing great deals. He's now featuring the new MyPillow, My Towels. Save 50% off on the six-piece towel set, regular price $59.96, but now, for a limited time, only $29.98 with promo code Dinesh. Debbie and I love these MyPillow, My Towels. We have them all over the house. We like them for ourselves, but we also love to give them as Christmas presents, so there's an idea for you. My Towels six-piece set includes two bath towels, two hand towels, two washcloths. The towels are really amazing. The long staple length of the Sherpa cotton fibers makes them very soft. Because of the long fibers, they can wrap around each other more easily, creating a smoother and softer fabric. It's soft to the touch. Without the lotion-y feel, it's also super absorbent. So take advantage of the 50% off on the six-piece towel set, call 800-876-0227. The number again, 800-876-0227. Or go to MyPillow.com to get the discount. You need to use the promo code D-I-N-E-S-H Dinesh. Our friend Mark Houck, who is a, a dad of seven, I believe, a uh, lovely guy, a pro-life activist. He's featured in Police State. He had his home raided by the FBI, and now Hauk and his wife are suing the FBI and the DOJ, seeking $4.3 million, and they're saying, that was completely unnecessary, what you did to us. They, they're saying that their seven children live in constant terror. In fact, one of them has to be medicated. They're saying that they're, that Mrs. Hauk, Ryan Marie Hauk, says that she's had more than one miscarriage following this traumatic event. And we show them in the movie, and we've recreated the Hauk raid for the opening scene. That's, in fact, we don't say it, but that's the mm-hmm. opening scene of right, the film. Right. You can see how, for an ordinary guy to go through that, must be downright horrifying and, and must leave scars. And the FBI knows that. 
you know, they know that they're not going after hardened criminals or going after someone who's a law-abiding guy. In fact, Mark Huck makes a very telling observation in the film. He goes, their intention after arresting me was to le- release me in the evening. And he goes, think about that. They just wanted to humiliate him. Right. He goes, I'm not a threat. I'm not going to flee. I'm not a danger to society. I'm not a hardened criminal. They knew all that. So this whole thing was a massive exhibition of terrorism by the U.S. government. I mean, I, I kind of wish I was on the jury of this case yeah, because well, I would teach the government they, a lesson they would not quickly oh, I, forget. I, I would go for more than that. I no, mean. absolutely. <laughs> I mean, juries can do that. A jury can award whatever it wants. Yeah. And uh, and so, I mean, think of it. Battering rams, ballistic shields, armor, long rifles. No, it was all a show. It was all a show. It was all a show. And oh, and I forgot to mention, uh, Ryan Murray Hawk says she's now infertile. They've told her she cannot have more kids. Now they have seven. But nevertheless, this, I mean, just think about doing this to a family. And, and both of them were at our premiere in Mar-a-Lago. And it's interesting. You were talking about the difference in their personalities. Mark Hawk is like... And like a rock. Well, first of all, let, let's go back to the day that you interviewed him. Yeah. In the movie. Yeah. He walks in. He's very cordial, very, you know, jovial man, you know. And you, you're like, Mark, I want you to be extremely emotional. Well, I told him, I want you to describe what <laughs> describe happened what to happened. you. I want you to just let it go. Put your feelings put out your there. Put your feelings out there. I want, to, I want right. people to see what happened. And the interesting thing about about those two, because Mark and Bevelyn were interviewed Peter together. Williams were interviewed together, right? And they are both incredibly, incredibly God fearing people. They I mean, both they are. are, yeah. And neither one of them had that like, oh, I'm defeated. You know, oh, this has just destroyed me. Even though Mark does talk about it destroying his family, his spirit is not destroyed. And no. neither is Bevelin's. No. And so I said, you know, it really shows you that when you have Christ in your heart, you're not afraid. You're just not afraid. And you and and even though you're talking about it like it, you know, like it happened to you and you're you're in the moment. I mean, you're saying Bevelin is saying I'm facing 15 years. Yeah. Let's start with yeah. that. You're facing 15 years in prison. First of all, for nothing. Right. Right. Uh for for, for, slamming a, for accidentally slamming someone's... She didn't, I don't yeah, think she, she didn't, slammed the door. He didn't, but they claimed. But they claimed right? she did, yeah. So, yeah. So, anyway, but it's just incredible. And so, Mark uh, was, was extremely... You know, he was just like, yeah, that's right. This happened, but you know what? God is on my side. And and that, I could just see it, him beaming yeah. over that, you know? The, 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 the moral strength. Is yeah, really noticeable. Remarkable. Now it's interesting that Mark Hauk's lawyer went to the government. He knew about the Face Act. That's he, how we got the footage. Yes, we did. We got the footage from the lawyer. But he went to the FBI and he said, "Listen, you don't need to raid the house. You don't. If you if you plan on arresting Mark Hauk, contact my office. I will bring him in." So this is the key. Exactly. Right. They offered to come in voluntarily and surrender. But the FBI didn't want that. They wanted the shock and awe. They wanted to terrorize the family. And so this is real evil stuff. This is terror. This is this is state-sponsored. We talk about state-sponsored terrorism. It is. This is state-sponsored terrorism by the U.S. government. It is. Absolutely. And against a, a, a person. And by the way, think about it. He goes before the jury. They take, what, an hour? An hour. And not guilty. Not guilty on all charges. And, and yeah. Now, do you think because 
obviously, this was a jury that was probably comprised of a lot of liberals. Yeah. Do you think that they saw right through the government's? Uh, I think so. I think I think they saw that this is really not even about abortion. Because I think if it was purely... It wasn't ad- even about the FACE Act. It wasn't even about the FACE Act. Because it, it'd be one thing if they were escorting a troop of girls into the clinic and Mark Houck was like, drove his truck and blocked them from yeah, entering. No, th- this was a case where someone was harassing his child. Right. And he took... I would have done the same thing. As a parent, As he a became parent? defensive. Of yeah. course, the guy. Yeah, yeah. I would have done the same but, thing. But I mean, who who charges somebody with offenses with 11 years in prison for pushing a guy. And and but you as you know that was only the excuse to do what they did to him. That was the excuse to do what they did to him. But but it's the ruthlessness of the police state that if they could have put him away for 11 years over a pushing incident, they would have. They would have. We all know that aches and pains come with getting older, but it doesn't mean you have to accept it. That's why I want to tell you about Leah from Ohio and her Relief Factor story. One Sunday, Leah is sitting on her couch in so much pain, she was literally in tears. So she decided, let me try Relief Factor. In just eight days, she found relief and she continued in her own words to get, quote, better and better. She says, I'm amazed at this product. We know from personal experience that it works. Debbie can now do planks and push-ups, which for a long time she wasn't able to do. So if you're living with aches and pains, see how Relief Factor, a daily drug-free supplement, could help you feel and live better every day. To get started, try the Relief Factor three-week quick start kit. It's only nineteen ninety-five. It comes with a feel better or your money-back guarantee. You have nothing to lose. Go to relieffactor.com or call the number 800-4-RELIEF. The number again, 800-4-RELIEF or go to relieffactor.com. You'll feel the difference. In our segment on the amusing, the extraordinary, and the bizarre, <laughs> you have a story to tell about a, let's call it an out-of-control pilot, <laughs> right? So what's this all about? Oh, yeah. You, you oh. find this stuff, and then you show it to oh, me, yeah. and you're like, can we do it? I'm like, well, yeah, sure. Like, when I saw it, this happened a few weeks ago, but when I saw it, I was like, oh, my goodness. You know, because we love to watch airplane disasters. Okay, that's... Well, we need to explain what oh, yeah. we're talking about, yeah. because we don't Sorry. love to watch the disaster yeah, no. per se. There are these airline shows which are sort of a detective show because typically the show is 45 minutes long and it begins with some kind of an airplane calamity. True. By the way, beautifully recreated. Oh, yeah. Uh, we just know as film guys, this is done where you feel like you're in the airplane. Absolutely. And you, 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 they go through what goes wrong. In some cases, it's mechanical. In some cases, it is uh, related to pilot error. But in any event, mm-hmm. uh, there is a calamity. But this, the show really begins after that because mm-hmm. then they bring in these investigators. And the key thing is to find out why modern airplanes, which are very well-made, which are very safe. In fact, they often say it's safer to be in a plane than on the highway driving. Oh, uh, they it's a, it's a sort of an inquiry into what happened. And it's actually very, it's very consoling to see that they do a very thorough job, in some cases, even recreating the exact circumstances. I mean, the investigators will get in a plane, they will fly through a storm uh, on that exact part of the ocean, 
to test whether the theory is right. Exactly. Will the airplane mm-hmm. fail under these conditions? Mm-hmm. I mean, it's pretty really, remarkable really, to watch. And then the, that's the NT, the NTS? The yeah. NTSB, yeah. I think. The, the, NTSB. Na- the National Transportation Safety, Safety Board. Board. Mm-hmm. And by the way, if, if the show is correct, it's one of the few government agencies that, that actually is, does some good. Exactly. And, yeah. they, and they have brilliant, brilliant um, engineers. I yeah, mean, that they, right. that they can literally, they know every aspect of the airplane. They know all of the mechanical parts. They know everything about an airplane. And not only that, but I mean, they don't just know it. They can look at a crash. Yeah, and recreate it. And they can tell you based upon the debris. For example, did the plane explode in the air? Yeah, the debris Or did it hit the ground and then explode? Right. They also can look at at just um, what seems to be just melted metal and tell you this goes right here, this goes right there. Or put it back like a jigsaw puzzle. That's what they do. Sometimes reconstruct the whole plane. All right, talk about this Yeah, so anyway, so this is just one of those things that thankfully did not occur, but could have. A near okay? calamity. A near calamity. This this man, Joseph David Emerson, 44 years old, he is a pilot, but he wasn't one of the pilots. He was in the jump seat. So he was just riding with them, right? But he was right there in the cockpit. Yeah. Um, and he tried to activate the jet's fire suppression system mid-flight while he was sitting in the cockpit. And it was a near catastrophic maneuver that left him facing 83 counts of attempted murder. Well, because, well now, what do yeah. you mean when you say that you tried to activate the yeah. fires? Was he turning off so the engine? Or? He would have. So it would have immediately cut off the flow to the fuel of the engines. So that would cut off the engines. So obviously, if you don't have engines mid-flight, you're going to fall. Free so fall. the idea is that if an airplane is, has a fire, then you can do that and you right, have to do that right. because you got to put the fire yeah. out first. When pulled, the valve in the wing closes to shut the fuel to the engine. And uh, and that's, you know, it says that uh, after they are pulled, some residual fuel remains in the line and the quick reaction of the crew to reset it restored the fuel flow and prevented it from stalling, you know, so. Uh, but I mean, what's interesting is why would someone do that? Okay, so they claim that this guy was just off his rocker. Like, you know, there there's some, because we've seen some of the disasters where, we've seen some amazing, where yeah. a pilot will will pretend, like tell the other pilot, why don't you go to the bathroom? Then he sh- Then he locks the door, doesn't let anybody in, and then he flies the plane into a mountain. We've seen that, We've right? Seen that, yeah. So in this case, thankfully, the the pilot and the co-pilot, the captain and the co-pilot, realized what had happened, and they immediately, you know, tried to stop it. But apparently, this guy, they say, was just mentally like off his rocker. Okay, so this wasn't a terrorist. This wasn't or something a, like no, that. But no. nevertheless, but it, it's interesting they're charging him with attempted murder because. Oh, yeah. I guess what they're saying is, number one, he's a pilot, so he obviously knew what he was doing. Right, right. right? It's not like someone, uh, uh, one of the passengers who accidentally yeah. pulled some No, no, no. And th- these are his charges. So he was booked, okay, uh, on 83 counts of attempted murder in the first degree, 83 counts of reckless endangering another person, and one count of endangering an aircraft in the first degree. This guy faces a lot of years in prison. Yeah. I mean, he does. Well, I mean, think, think of what could have happened so if they're able to show that he acted deliberately which sounds like he did i mean he might have been deranged but deranged people can act deliberately yeah but i mean look at look at deranged people that do mass shootings and then they shoot themselves or they kill themselves because they want to take everybody out they want to go out but they want to take everybody out with them and that's kind of what this guy was doing yeah 
Um, so, so very scary. I mean, it, it kind of, we fly a lot. So every time I, every time we're in the, in line and I see the, the pilots, I kind of check them out. I, you know, like, do they look, do they look like they're okay? <laughs> well, there have been a couple of cases where there, there have been plane crashes due to sheer exhaustion. Right. I mean, a pilot is doing so right. many legs in a day. Yeah. And he comes and tries to take a nap apparently on the couch, but he's, he's just drained. And so as a result, then you go into a difficult situation, which requires the use of judgment. Now, Mm -hmm. a lot of planes kind of fly themselves, but there are times when some judgment is needed. And apparently, if you're mentally and physically exhausted, your faculties just aren't there. And so you aren't able to make that, you don't have that discernment. Right. And there have been terrible outcomes as, you know, as a result. We're in this uh, remarkable chapter of the Gulag Archipelago where Solzhenitsyn is discussing the people who work in the prison camps. And he gives very profound insight into their motivation, but also into human nature and the way that human nature is delicately poised between radical good and radical evil. And at the same time, while he shows that, he emphasizes that it's not a simple matter of some human beings are on the side of the angels, other human beings turn themselves into devils. He says that human nature itself has a mixture of both. And so it's it's a matter of which side we choose to align with, sometimes on a given occasion. Sometimes people who are decent in some aspects of their lives are extremely indecent in others. And then there are other people who are indecent through and through. So it's he's pointing out to the kind of dual nature of human beings and the kind of moral landscape that governs every human life. Very fascinating stuff. It rises above the specifics of the Soviet gulag, and it's talking to all people at all times. Now, here's Solzhenitsyn who are talking about the prison camp guards, the prison camp interrogators, and he says... Excluded by the nature of their work and by deliberate choice from the higher sphere of human existence, he goes, the servitors of the blue institution, the so-called blue caps, live in a lower sphere with all the greater intensity and avidity. Now, this is a very learned man writing in an ornate style, and we need to slow it down to see what he's saying. He's saying, look... These are guys for whom higher forms of piety or reflection, of study, of contemplation, they're not going to do any of that. This is not even part of their life. They live on the low plane of human existence. So they they don't try to think great thoughts. They don't try to to come up with new ideas. They live on the sort of... um, They're driven by more base or elemental motives. So what are those motives? He says, they were possessed and directed by two of the strongest instincts of the lower sphere, greed for power and greed for gain. Now, again, here, I think Solzhenitsyn is making a a universal point because think about it. What motivates the police state in this country? At the ordinary level, what is driving the bureaucrat? And I'm not just talking about the bureaucrat at the top. What about the bureaucrat at the bottom? Think about what drives, for example, a meter maid, somebody who comes hands out tickets, or just a cop who hides at the turn of a pass, intercepts cars, and gives them tickets. 
Now, what is that guy motivated by? You can say, well, he's doing his job. Yeah, true. What makes somebody want to do that job like really well? I'm going to get them. I'm going to, I'm going to, I'm going to catch every single guy. They think they're smarter than me, but I'm actually smarter than them. You know what it is? It's a desire to have, even if momentarily, a sense of power over another person. The meter maid is like, that guy may be driving a Mercedes, but guess what? I can stick him with a ticket. It's going to ruin his day. It's going to annoy him. He's going to have to write a check, send it in. It's a, I'm, I'm able to hassle that guy. And normally I wouldn't be able to. Normally that guy wouldn't even look at me. I wouldn't, I wouldn't have one moment of that person's attention unless I can inflict some punishment and then they have to take notice. Similarly, the cop who's approaching, for example, the guy sitting in his car, think about it. The cop typically walks up in a really slow walk. Oh, yes. Hello. If he takes 10 minutes to even get to you, why is that? Is it because it takes him 10 minutes to park his car and walk up to you? No. It's that he wants to keep you sitting in that, in a position of uneasiness for 10 minutes. Oh, here I am. I've been pulled over. What's the cop going to say to me? Or am I going to get a ticket for $50 or $500? Um, do I, do I have my insurance, by the way? I thought I renewed it, but is it really in my, in my glove compartment? All of this is going through your mind. And then the cop comes to, to talk to you. And before he even says anything, you know, like your Adam's apple goes up and down your throat. Why? Because you're just a little bit nervous. And the cop knows that. And the cop is like, yeah, that's why I became a cop. In other words, part of the the sense of power over you is what motivates the bureaucratic establishment. Now, in many circumstances, that kind of power is relatively benign. It's power at the service of some legitimate government objective. But here Solzhenitsyn says, when you're dealing with a police state, that power can be unleashed in terrifying ways. He goes on to say, Power is a poison well known for thousands of years. If no, if only no one were ever to acquire material power over others. This is a Solzhenitsyn being a little utopian. Wouldn't it be nice to have a society where people just didn't exercise that kind of the power to control, to brutalize? He goes, but to the human being who has faith in some force that holds dominion over all of us and who is therefore conscious of his own limitations, Power is not necessarily fatal. Very interesting observation. If you believe in a higher power, then God is sovereign over all of us. Then even if you have temporary power over some other guy, you're not ultimately who's in charge. So in that situation, says Solzhenitsyn, it's not necessarily fatal. For those, however, who are unaware (coughs) of any higher sphere, it is a deadly poison. For them, he says, there is no antidote. Subscribe to the Dinesh D'Souza podcast on Apple, Google, and Spotify. Or watch on Rumble, YouTube, and SalemNow.com. Three-star general, Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn. 
deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal record to the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.